Oh yeah, this is fun. All right. Okay, let's get into it, Jonah. What are we doing today, my guy? Well, we're bringing back a blast from the past. This is some of the favorite episodes, I think, of mine that we've done. Our preseason NBA standing predictions. And we're going to start off with the Eastern Conference over-unders. We're back to the full 82 game regular season. So the math is a little less complicated this time around. But Oh, sick. Before we get started, I guess, um, maybe we can recap the results of our predictions last year. Kellen went 16 and 14, so he had a winning record in his over under a strong performance considering wow. like this is this is really the first year you paid attention to basketball. So I'd say to get more right than wrong is impressive. Channon with 18 and 12, so a strong nice. record for him. And I came in with a 22 and 8. So I don't know if anybody listens to the advice I gave out on the pod. I mean, hopefully that if they did. They probably probably made quite a bit of money. So, uh, dang, Jonah. We'll try to recreate some of that success. I guess all of us will be trying to recreate that success this year. I think there are some good deals on the board, um, but also a lot of teams that look a lot different this year. So it'll be interesting to talk through them all. And just like we did last time, I think we'll start at the top of the conference. And I don't think there'll be. I don't think there'll probably be much disagreement amongst the team we're projecting to get the number one seed. And I think for me, at least that's the Brooklyn Nets. Oh yeah. hundred Yes, sir. All right. So I had the Nets going 59 and 23 this year. So I'm taking the over for Brooklyn. I just think I really like the Patty Mills signing for them. Cause when you think about it last year and they had a very strong regular season last year and they did it with extended absences from all three of their players. So whether it was, Durant with COVID and the hamstring issue. Harden dealt with the hamstring issue on the second half of the um, season. Irving was in and out of the lineup all year. But really, I think what we learned last year is um, it really only takes the Nets having like one or two of their star players and they can, the offense was very efficient no matter what with like Joe Harris and um, they don't have Landry Shamit anymore, who kind of was another shooter who would grease the wheels, but upgrade him to Patty Mills. I don't think they'll miss a beat there. And I think they'll probably be improved defensively as well this year too. Another year of development for Nick Claxton. They bring in Paul Millsap over Jeff Green. I think Millsap is a much better defender. So I think this is an upgraded roster for Brooklyn. I think they'll have better health. Wait, they got, did you say they got Paul Millsap? Yeah, he was one of the wow. veterans they signed for the minimum. Yeah, just an upgraded roster. Another year of playing um, with each other. I think they'll probably have better uh, injury luck this year. I mean, last year was about as disastrous as it could have gone for them. So I think I think they can get to 59 wins this season. I'll give them 60, Loki. 60. All right. I, it's uh, a tough league, but I think they're going to get 60. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Callum, do you want to tell, tell us about um, – the methods you did for predicting these records. Yes. All right, boys. So I went on this website called Playoff Predictors. It predicted all. So how each team plays 82 games. And I predicted the entire season, NBA 2021-22 season. It took me an hour to do it, but it was fine. So I just selected all of them. And for me, I'm going to be taking, according to my calculations, <laughs> The Brooklyn Nets will be an over at 65 and 17. Oh, nice. Damn. Yes, sir. 
So I think we're all all pretty high on Brooklyn. I imagine yes. we all have them as our number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Shannon, um, you have a method you want to tell us about, or is it mostly that sharp basketball intuition of yours? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. 100% intuition. I like that. <laughs> The type of intuition you get from spending time on the court. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Uh, oh, so wait. I was, I saw a post on Instagram. It was Kyrie Irving, Steph and Dame. And it was like bench cut start. And I was surprised at the amount of people that like cut Steph Curry in the comments. What really? would you, what would you do, Jonah? I would start Steph, bench <laughs> yeah. Dame, cut Kyrie. Exactly. Yeah. That's why why would you cut Steph, people, bro? People, <laughs> people kept saying cut Steph, bench Dame, start Kyrie. Honestly, like, if nothing else, Kyrie's had like injury trouble. I yeah. feel like like more than the other two, Loki. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, you guys have. You guys are. Uh, Chan, do you want to tell us who the number two seed's going to be in the Eastern Conference? Oh shoot. Um, okay, can you remind me who Miami got? Kyle Lowry. Miami got Kyle Lowry. They're bringing in PJ Tucker this year. Resigned okay. Duncan Robinson. So it's Kyle, Jimmy, and Bam. That's their core three, right? Yeah, they're a pretty shallow team this year. Yeah. Um, and then Philly still has been. Yeah. What about the team that literally uh, won the championship? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Milwaukee. I agree. <laughs> oh, they're over over unders at fifty four and a half. Let's see. Fifty four and a half, which it seems low. I think Milwaukee is a much better team than this, but they have a very short off season this year because. They won the championship that would have been back in July, right? It didn't go into August, I don't think. I think that was back. Nah, yeah, that it was, was July. July, yeah. Um, so they won the championship in July, and then two of their best three players immediately went to the Olympics afterwards. And so, just Oh, that's right. Very and won season. there. I think. When does this season start? Uh, October 19th. Oh, shit. Coming up. Yeah, very soon. Um. Yeah, I like the moves they made this offseason quite a bit, bringing back George Hill, who's had some really some of his best years in Milwaukee. Uh, I didn't wasn't a huge fan of letting PJ Tucker walk. I, I feel like they could have brought him back pretty easily. I mean, they had his bird rights, but at least they um, at least they replaced him with obviously like George Hill, like I mentioned, and then they also traded for Grayson Allen, who I think is going to be an awesome player for them and they got them for free so i do like what they did to upgrade the roster this year i mean their defense should be as insane as ever with like the dual rim protectors of lopez and antetokounmpo in their starting unit not to mention drew holiday and their offense is just so hard to stop in the regular season because they just run it down your throats i think the key is just going to be how much do they really have their foot on the gas after winning the championship last year and then having such a short and um, off season, it might be more of a um, regular season filled with rest until they make it to the playoffs. Yeah, it's hard to say because, we, like we talked about last year, they're like regular season beast type of team. But yeah. like you're saying, it would definitely make sense that they kind of have. No, they're not all the way on the gas to start the season. Yeah, and I'm still gonna take them for 56 wins. I think they're gonna hit the over. Um, I think this roster is talented enough to win like 60 games. Like, but I just, I don't think that's going to be their goal this year, but they the bucks are just so good on both sides. Yeah. And DiVincenzo is going to be healthy this year again and add some playmaking. 
especially in transition. It's so weird that he they almost like he was almost gone with that one trade, right? Yeah, I they, I mean they would have gotten Bogdanovich, which would have been even yeah. better. But true. What's your record, Shannon? Because I do think they will kind of be chilling a little bit, but they're still so good. Like I would I would not be surprised if they won fifty eight, honestly. But I'm gonna go with fifty five. 55. Yeah, that's reasonable. And they did bring back uh, Bobby Portis as well and let go of Bryn Forbes. But I mean, I think you'll lose Bryn Forbes and take on Grayson Allen. Like that's like hard to do better than that. I, I think that's yeah. up. My, my thing, keep in mind, I didn't even look at this until it was over. Okay. So I just kept clicking the right teams. I had him at 64. Okay. That it's definitely I agree with Shannon. Like it would be like fifty-eight, probably, I think. Yeah. Or something so who, like that. who you have in third place. I think this is really where it starts to get interesting. Because those those two teams are a clear cut above the Ooh. rest of the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. But after this, it's 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 gonna be a, it's so interesting after this. I have four teams that are just kind of packed together. So yeah. Um, do you want to tell us who we should talk about next? Who's your third uh, team? My third team. <laughs> uh, go uh, go down. Or no, wait, go up, actually. Yeah. It was Atlanta. Alphabet's tricky. Um, it is. It's a tricky thing. I've been out of school for a little bit. I, I, li- I like I like. I had him, Dude, I had him at 54 and 28. 54 and Wow. I mean, that would be a great season for him. Um, yeah. These are the sort of teams that I really like in the regular season. I think it goes like it goes underlooked how much a guy like Trey Young can really like help help your team. Like a guy like Trey Young or Damian Lillard or Luka Doncic, one of these players who has the ball in their hands like a majority of the time and is also extremely efficient and a good passer. Like having a player like that run the offense for 35 minutes a game just gives you like such a head start. And I think the same goes for just a competent rim protector on defense. Like when you can build your defense around a guy like Gobert or Capella, it just makes things so much simpler. So I think this Hawks team is really like built to have the success in the regular season. And um, last year they had so many health issues all season, like whether it was Bogdanovich or Gallinari, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, everybody like the Hawks were very banged up last year, and um, the only guy who they have injured going into this season is Okungwu. So I think it could be a big step forward for Hunter and Reddish this year, which I think that's more important for the playoffs than really the regular season. But having those guys to kind of spot up for three and defend, um, I think will just make life a lot easier on Bogdanovich and Herder so they don't have to like be taking on the tough assignments every night. And um, yeah, I think the Hawks could be a bit of a risk to get off to a slow start. Um, mostly because Okungu's hurt. I'm not as high as Gorgie Dang as like a regular season um, center playing like 20 minutes a game, which you'll probably have to. But I think once Okungu gets back, I mean, the Hawks, like I said, they're built for just having a lot of regular season success. In my opinion, I, they're my, yeah. In the Eastern Conference as well. I haven't won 51 games. Also, the fact that like Trey Young and um, what's his name? John Collins. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. such like, they're so young and like such like electric players. Like, I would pick them over like a team like Miami, like 
Yeah. Those are like veterans who really don't care that much about the regular season, but like these young guys, like they want every minute of like excitement of the game they can get. And so like, they're going to, they're going to play their hardest, like night in and night out in the regular season more so than those older teams, in my opinion. Yeah. The Hawks have a lot of depth too. Like I like that they signed yeah. the long, right. But then they also have guys like Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams coming off the bench. Like a very I'm a, I'm a DeLon Wright guy. I've been a fan of his for a while. Yeah, I think he makes a lot of sense in Atlanta too, because he can play off the ball and he's a much better defender than any other guard. Yeah. I think that was a big upgrade off of Chris Dunn, who um they got rid of. So what's what's your record for him, Shannon? Um I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go uh 48 okay and i'm gonna have them tied with another team all right you wanna you wanna spoil who that team is yeah i'm gonna have them uh it's actually i don't know it's hard to say because i don't know what's going on with this team okay with the current yeah with the current philadelphia team i'm gonna have them tied with philly Okay. Yeah, Phil, this is one where I was curious to hear your thoughts because this is a similar to the situation we went in um, to last season with the Houston Rockets. And Shannon was, oh, really, that's facts. Shannon was really the one who nailed the Houston Rockets prediction last year by uh, <laughs> having the foresight to um, predict James Harden's departure. I think me and Kellen both kind of hedged our bets. And I think I predicted them to be like a 500 team, which obviously they weren't even close to that by the end of the season. But yeah, it's hard to know what's going to happen with Philadelphia because obviously they were a juggernaut last year, and that was even with um, Joe Embiid missing a lot of time, which you would think yeah. would be like a death sentence to them. But really, they excelled even without him. And the backup center position gets downgraded quite significantly from Dwight Howard to Andre Drummond. So I wouldn't expect them to have <laughs> Andre Drummond so bad, dude. <laughs> so. I don't, I don't love that for him, but I mean, on this paper, like this team should be really good again. Like, especially if like, it's like Shannon said, we have no idea what's going on with Simmons, but realistically they brought back the same team from last year, replacing Dwight Howard with Andre Drummond. But Maxi, I think is poised to take a big step forward this year. I honestly think Tyrese Maxi might be the starting point guard on day one. If like Ben Simmons just doesn't show up to training camp and doesn't play in the games, which Seems like that's the direction things are headed in right now. So could be Maxi's time to shine. He looked incredible in summer league. And they have the same formula they did last year with Joel Embiid, but surround him with really good shooters like Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Danny Green, and all those guys can defend all right too, except for really Curry, but at least he gives effort and stuff. And they have um, other guys like Thibault who can take on the tougher assignments. Yeah. But it's just such a weird situation in Philadelphia right now. Uh, they like, they might not have their second best player for the large part of the season. And who knows like what they'll be able to replace them with. They could really win anywhere between like 55 and 45 games, but I'm going to kind of just split the difference and have them for 50 games, um, which I mean, that's a huge step off of what they did last year, but it's just too much uncertainty for me to really get too optimistic about the Sixers. Yeah. I think that um, the reason I feel differently about this one than last year with the Rockets is it seemed like uh, Philly's like really trying to make sure that if Simmons leaves that they get something in return. 
Exactly. And like with James Harden, it was like he's gonna leave. Like you may or may not get something that's worth it, and they really didn't. But yeah, that, well, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, because if it, yeah, the Rockets just tore it down immediately. But the Sixers, if Ben Simmons leaves, I mean, we're still in the kind of golden era of Joel Embiid, and so they'll definitely be pedal to the floor. And yeah, Daryl Morey doesn't seem like he's going to settle, but also at some point it's better to settle than have nothing, which I mean, if yeah. he doesn't play, you have yeah, a yeah. max contract um, like taken up on your cap sheet and being used. Did by- you see the, the D'Angelo Russell trade that, um, the Timberwolves declined? No. It was like Simmons for D'Lo and like a couple other Timberwolf players and they declined yeah. it. That sounds like a mistake for Minnesota. I mean, yeah, I, I would love to bring in, I mean, I guess you have the whole thing with Russell and Towns being friends. So maybe just the social yeah. dynamics wouldn't work, but I mean, yeah, Ben Simmons makes a ton of sense for how bad that team is going to be defensively. Callum, mm-hmm. do you have a prediction for Philadelphia? Mine was, I had him at uh, 53-29. 53-29. I was really confused when I was picking with them because I was like, are they actually going to be as good as they were last year? Ben? I mean, yeah. I don't know. They're, they're a difficult one to um, get a grasp on for sure. Uh, who was your, I guess, were, was Philadelphia your third place or your fourth place team? Yeah. Um, who was your fifth place team? Uh, I had Boston. Boston. Okay. That, I really like that one, actually. Boston was my fourth I, place team. I had them in- ahead of the 76ers, I have them winning 51 games this season, which is a lot more than their over-under. But I, I just love the way this team is set up this year. I think the Schroeder signing was actually awesome for them yeah. because Schroeder, I don't Such really, a steal. Yeah. And this is going to be going back to Schroeder in OKC, like that type of thing. Like he was totally mm-hmm. miscast in Los Angeles as like their starting point guard. He does much better when he can like, stay on the wing and attack off of a mismatch. So with like Boston, you get Jason Tatum, who I think should be kind of their lead initiator on offense. And then he can sort of be the one to create that advantage in the defense, or even if it's like Marcus Smart, who I think is probably a better, like pure point guard than Dennis Schroeder. But um, like between Tatum and Jalen Adams, they have um, such a like strong, um, such a strong, like such strong sources of offensive production in the starting lineup already that really when Schroeder gets the ball, it's going to be once one of those two players has already kind of created an advantage or bent the defense. And then maybe Schroeder catches the ball as like sort of a kick out at the wing. And then he can drive to the hoop from there, which is really what he did in OKC and really probably what his best skill is as a player. So I think this is a spot that makes a lot more sense for him than um, LA. Then, Los Angeles did a starting then, point guard role now. They definitely. Yeah. And then I really like their center rotation as well between Al Horford and Robert Williams. I think they've got a lot of versatility there and they brought, I didn't even know they brought Al Horford back. Yeah. That was the Kimba Walker trade with Oklahoma city. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kimba Walker trade. <laughs> Kimba got traded to Oklahoma city. Then, bought out, then he signed with the Knicks. Oh, I knew that. I knew he would answer that. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> and then um, I like their bench as well because Peyton Pritchard was going off in summer league. He's going to be a fun yeah. one to watch this year. Yeah, he, he was shooting. 
he has some serious range and he's a great offensive player, but they also can balance that out with Josh Richardson. If they want more of a defensive look in the backcourt and then Aaron Neesmith second year, I think he's going to take a step forward. You guys know how much I love Grant Williams. Um, yep. They bring in Ennis Cantor, who I'm not so much of a fan of, but um, <laughs> la- yeah, last year, Boston was one of my locks in terms of like a team. I felt really confident. I had a grasp on and I picked them to underperform their win total and they did they got the seventh seed so i was kind of right to be skeptical about them but this year this year i'm feeling very very good the only reason i'm not even higher is just because like sort of new coach we don't really know how it's going to work with emi yudoka yet um it's always a bit tentative when there's sort of a new scheme that's going to be implemented especially when there are so many difficult players like dennis schroeder and like robert williams and these sorts of guys who and marcus smart these sorts of guys who um are prone to like do they're just kind of weird players so that's like weird weaknesses and just kind of more difficult to build around but i think with the right coaching and the right system like this could be like a 50 this is the the celtics could be like the two seed in the east this year and i think they're even more dangerous as a postseason team just given like the versatility um defensively that like Horford and Williams gives them in their wings. Like wings are so important in the playoffs, even more so than the regular season that I, I just love the way the Celtics are looking this year. Um, They're always a solid team. Well, not last year. Not last year. Better than the Warriors and the Warriors are a solid team. So <laughs> they, they were average last year, I guess. Um, what do I think about this Celtics? That was one of my favorite games last year, Warriors against Celtics, when Tatum and Curry were just going on each other. Yeah, yeah, I think both of them had like forty. That was extremely. Oh, that was sick. Didn't we still lose? I remember that one. Yeah, that was the one where Juan Toscano Anderson got the cut on his head from jumping over the scores table. Oh yeah, what a time to be alive. That was a great game. Um, I gave third and fourth 48 wins each, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't necessarily have to be your third and fourth. Like, you you can um, like you can give the Celtics more wins than the Sixers if you want. Like, that, that's what I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go... Um... Damn. The East is dicey this year. Yeah, the, East is, the East is better than the Western Conference, I think. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's crazy. Well, um, like depth, but then also like the Nets and Bucks are much better than any team in the Western Conference. Yeah. Too. Like in terms of top in the end, just the middle of the pack teams as well. Where did uh, Evan Fournier go? Uh, Knicks as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Knicks now have... Fournier, Kimba, and Randall. The Knicks are looking really good, but we'll we'll talk about them in a second. That's my issue here. Do you um, wait, Kellen, you get, what's your, yeah. yeah. Oh. Kellen, do you want to give the prediction you came up with for the Celtics? Yeah, I had them um, at uh, 48. 48, wow. Kellen has been an optimist this podcast. He hasn't taken the under on a single team yet. <laughs> we'll see i gotta there's there towards the bottom of the line it gets a little bit holy crap they think the bulls are gonna win i don't know about that 
Um, okay, I'm going to go with – I can't decide. Can we talk about the Knicks first? Sure. Um, yeah, so the Knicks – I'm extremely excited about the Knicks this year. I know I was probably their biggest critic last year because first I picked them to finish last in the Eastern Conference before the season started. And then we did a podcast midway <laughs> through the season when like the Knicks were this big surprise team and I still tipped them to miss the playoffs. And then they finally made the playoffs and I picked them to lose to the Hawks. So finally I got something right about them. But I, I think they fixed a ton of holes in their roster this season. First of all, they have um, they added a great starting point guard. Like it was Alfred Payton last year, and I know Derrick Rose played more um, minutes than Payton, but Rose is really more of a combo guard this year. He's much more um, focused on scoring. So bringing in Kimba Walker, I thought was huge for them, and Fournier as well. Like shooting was such a weakness for them last year and now um really the only non-shooter in their starting lineup besides like Mitchell and Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel like the worst shooter is Barrett and I mean he's efficient he shot like 39 40 percent last year he's just very low volume I like Barrett like I think this team makes so much sense now you've got 48 minutes of awesome rim protection whether it's like Nerlens Noel Mitchell Robinson Taj Gibson like um it's going to be so difficult to score at the basket against the Knicks and then also they've got 48 minutes of really good point guard play between Kimball Walker. I know I said Derek Rose was um, more of a combo scoring type of guard, but they at least have an efficient offense when he's on the court. And then Emmanuel quickly, maybe he takes another step forward. He's a player I really like. And then that's not even including Randall, who's a great option to have at power forward. I'm, I don't really think they need RJ Barrett to take another step forward. Same goes for Obi Toppin, but anything those – two can do is found money. I'm, pre- I'm pretty low on Toffin at this point. Barrett, I think, makes a lot of yeah. sense as a guy who can just take the corner threes he did last year, but then also attack a closeout and that sort of thing. Like He still has a strength and athleticism that made him the number three overall pick back in the day. So I just think this Knicks roster is awesome. Like Campbell Walker and Fournier are such yo, huge yo. additions for them. Robinson's going to come back healthy. Tom Thibodeau, you know, he's just going to squeeze every ounce he can out of this team during the regular season for better or for worse. But this is one I feel very confident about. I think that 41 and a half, um, that over-under, this is just comic, comically low. I think the Knicks are going to yeah, win 50 games. Vegas, Vegas thinks that the Bulls are going to win more games than the Knicks. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That's absurd. The Knicks have a great team this year. I, I yeah. know I was their biggest critic last year, but those those days are over. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. okay. What are you going with, Janet? Okay. Uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Knicks forty nine actually. Yeah, I think that that's a good pick. All right, guys. This is where it gets a little bit dicey for old Kelster. <laughs> I had him at uh the eight seed at 36 and 46. Wow. Okay. They still made the playoffs. You know, you can make a run. Well, I don't know what's more interesting that you think the Knicks are going to be that bad or that you think 36 wins is going to be enough to make the playoffs. That's interesting. My, my eight seed in the East, my nine seed in the Eastern conference is winning 42 games. So I'm interested to see, um, 
which teams you really think are gonna kind of help. Um, but that's interesting. What, what, um, you want to hear my six seed? Yeah, let's, let's hear your six seed. The Toronto Raptors at forty and forty-two. Wow, this that's, <laughs> that's not at all. What I, this is getting very interesting. How many wins did you say they'd have? Forty. Forty. So you must really not like the Pacers. No, I like the Pacers. They had thir- they were thirty six and forty six too. They're just at, was a tiebreaker in between, like in the um. This I, don't, is, I had the Pacers at thirty six and forty six as well. That they're the ten seed. Yeah. Okay. This. Well, that's interesting. I I like the Raptors quite a bit. I think this line is um a little bit too low. I have them winning forty two games, so kind of in the same range as what Kellen had for him. Uh, I really in. Oh, it's going to be intense. I'm really intrigued by what Nick Nurse is going to be able to do defensively this year. Just a lot of very versatile players, whether it's Siakam, Ananobi, their draft pick Scotty Barnes, who I'm not as thrilled about, but I think he, um, Toronto, if any team is going to get the best out of them, it's going to be the Raptors. They also have Gary Trent Jr., who is a very good defender. Um, the point guard, I think, is going to be a bit of an issue for him. If it's uh, Van Vliet playing like 30 minutes a game at point guard, I like Van Vliet, but I think he's more of a shooting guard. I'd um, rather have like Drogic or even like Malachi Flynn. I'm not, I, I didn't love what Malachi Flynn gave him last year, but I still think there's room for him to improve. I really liked him coming out of college. So I, I think he could take a step forward. I think the Raptors are going to have a top 10 defense. The offense really is more what my worry is. If Siakam can return to like his 2019, 2020 levels, if they can get a lot out of Gorham Drogic, if Malachi Flynn takes a step forward, um, I think there are a lot of ways that their offense could be above average. And I think an above average offense or even like an offense that's between 15th and 20th in the NBA will probably be enough to get them into the playoffs. And this is all, this is all um, I'm hoping this turns out to be accurate, that they're going to be playing at their home stadium this year back in Toronto. Hopefully that ends up being the case, but I love their defense. I'm a little bit concerned about their offense and more than anything, uh, the Raptors are a team where I could see them like making some trades, whether it's Siakam or Van Vliet. It seems like they want to go in a bit of a younger direction. Yeah. So um, the Raptors are a team who, if they get off to a poor start, could maybe just kind of blow everything up and try to go in a different direction. Like I wouldn't put anything past Masai Ujiri, but I really like a lot of things about this Raptors team. And so I still think they're going to have a winning record. I'm going to go 42 and 40 for them. What about you, Channon? I'm going to go uh, 37. 37. Okay. I'm slightly less optimistic about him. Yeah. I mean, still taking the over. I think that 35. Still is- taking the over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That 35 is pretty low. Okay. I'm ready with my Celtics prediction now. Okay. Um, I'm going to give the Boston Celtics. I'm going to take the over at 47 wins. 47. All right. That's a good number. I think a team that we kind of um, maybe bypassed, I don't know if they're in this conversation for you guys, but the Miami Heat, I think. Um, yeah, we definitely, yeah. Hit them next. I really, oh, yeah, really, I didn't have a good record for them, dude. I really liked what they did this offseason and bringing in Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker. Those are two guys who I really like, and I think they both fit well, especially Kyle Lowry on the Heat team i think their defense is going to be very good with bam Adebayo and jimmy butler like those are just really cool blocks to have a 
one of the best defenses in the NBA. I think their offense is really intriguing because you've got three amazing playmakers in Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. And around three great playmakers with one of, if not the best cheer in the NBA and Duncan Robinson. And that just seems like it's a recipe to have just like, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what they're going to do on that end. But I just think they're a little bit too old and just not quite enough depth. Like um, they're like off the bench, they've got Tyler hero and that's about it. Like, Victor Oladipo maybe, but he's probably going to be hurt most of the season. Omir Yurtz have been yeah. fine in summer league, and so did Max Drews, but they've realistically never had any meaningful NBA experience. Um, I mean, just like what happens every year, the um, Heat are probably going to be able to develop some player out of the blue who gives them big minutes and a lot of production, but I have no idea who that's going to be. Uh, it's probably going to be Max Drews. And Gabe Vincent looked amazing in his own right when Nigeria yeah. took down less um, in that game before the Olympics but right now I just think the Heat don't really have enough depth and I don't think they're going to be pushing too hard during the regular season I think this is now much more geared towards the playoffs given their age and just how shallow the team is so I'm going to have them winning uh 46 games which is too bad because I think um I think they're probably going to draw either the Nets or the Bucks in the first round which as good as they're going to be in the playoffs, I think that's a probably a death sentence. So yeah, I was going to go forty-four. Yeah, like I really liked the idea of this team. I just wish they had some sort of identity off the bench, and maybe that's Tyler Hero. Because yeah. I, I, I don't think it is Hero, but it just seems like he might be on a different timeline now. Like if you asked me a year ago, I would think maybe Tyler was ready for that. But after I um, told you, I told you he was falling off. After how poorly he performed last year, it seems like that might he might be on a different timeline. Callum, what about you for the Heat? You said you were a little low I, on I, So I had three teams at 36 and 46, and it was the Heat, wow. Pacers, and Knicks. I mean, if Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo got hurt, like I don't think 36 is outside the realm of possibility for Miami, as crazy yeah. as that sounds. I mean, when they made the moves, I was thinking I was going to be like a huge – supporter of Miami like I once they got PJ Tucker and Kyle Lowry two guys I really liked I was expecting to be much higher on them than anybody else but as I thought about the roster more I just am a little concerned um, not built for regular season at all yeah which team do you and like you said that's probably just gonna screw them over yeah exactly because they can't afford to get the bucks or nets in the first no. round. I guess we might as well um, for the Pacers now. Yeah. Another, another team you got at 36 wins, Kellen? Yep. Yeah, I like the Pacers quite a bit. I think Rick Carlisle is going to help them a lot. Like Bjorkren was an unmitigated disaster last season. They're gonna they they're gonna have much better health this year. I think um some of the fit stuff is still a concern between like Sabonis and Miles Turner. It doesn't seem like that's really gone anywhere over the last few years and it seems like the offense is still just going to be some bonus post-ups and like Malcolm Brogdon which probably isn't the recipe to have an above average offense like the big X factor for the Pacers is, is if um what TJ Warren looks like when he gets back because he could really elevate the team but aside from that like the bench is going to look about the same a lot of TJ McConnell which um kind of 
dictates what you're going to look like on offense. They replaced Doug McDermott with Chris Duarte, who I thought Duarte was a yeah. great selection for them. They've still got Justin Holiday. They added um, Troy Craig, which I thought was a great pickup for them. I think this team should be pretty much average on both sides of the ball. I think like Sabonis and Brogdon are talented enough offensively to kind of keep them afloat there. And then Miles Turner um, just provides so much room protection that he really um, – holds up their defense quite well when he's on the floor. So I think this team is just kind of a mediocre team through and through. We didn't even mention Karis LeVert, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty low on Karis LeVert. I think he'll be a good scoring guard off the bench, but I think the fit between him and TJ McConnell is awkward at best. Yeah. I was going to rock with 41. 41. Yeah. I think that's a good, good call. And I think conspicuous in their absence from this discussion so far is the Chicago Bulls, who had an eventful offseason, to say yes. the least. They bring in Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan to pair with the core of Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic that they already had. They also added Caruso and Derek Jones Jr. from the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, that's right. R.I.P. Shannon, do you think they improved their team? I mean, they improved their team, but how much do you think they improved their team, if at all? Not enough. They don't have any defensive presence. We've talked about um, Vucevic is a horrible defender. Horrible. Um, <laughs> we've talked about Zach Levine, who has potential to be a good defender, like based on his athleticism, but is not a good defender. No, um, especially off ball. Just too many concentrations. Yeah. Just- DeMar DeRozan is just getting up there in age. Yeah. Um, I, I do like him as a player, but he's not an answer for this team. I would have liked to see him maybe land in, like, Los Angeles or something. Um, and then what else did they do? Lonzo Ball? Yeah, Lonzo Ball. That one made a little bit of more sense. I get that him. one. Um, he's, like, the same age as Levine, too. So I, I thought that yeah. was justifiable. I think those two are a good pairing. $85 million. That's like, that's a lot of Lonzo ball, but I, I also, I also think that's reasonable. And then Caruso was a good one as well. Yeah. I, like I would like to say, see Lonzo and Levine play together for a while. I think they will work well together, but um, yeah, I don't think they, they will play enough defense really to be uh, relevant. I don't even know. Like, they're going to have to be an offensive juggernaut to balance out the defense. And I, I think they'll have their moments, but like they're not going to be as good as like the Nets, obviously, or the, yeah. obviously the Blazers. Like those two teams, I think, are kind of in their own stratosphere. But like, is this team going to be as good as like the Hawks or the Mavericks or the Nuggets? Like, I find that hard to believe uh, as well. But, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, what was the number you had for them at the end? I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go with 34, 34. I think, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good pick. Um, I had them for 36. So just about the same. Um, yeah, the defense is obviously going to be hugely problematic because Lonzo ball, he's much more of a team defender, but as we saw last year in new Orleans, like having a good team defender doesn't really do much when you, have no surrounding talent around them. The New Orleans was the 28th defense in the league last year. And alarmingly, like New Orleans had a much better personnel 
surrounding Alonzo. <laughs> yeah. At least New Orleans had Stephen Adams protecting the rim and they had Eric Bledsoe, who's a great guard defender in his own right. Like this yeah. is going to be utterly disastrous. And what maybe makes the least amount of sense about this whole offseason is they spend the entire offseason going after guys to help them win games now, whether it's like Vucevic for – $85 million Lonzo for $85 million. They traded two first round picks to get Vucevic. They traded a first round pick to get DeRozan. And then when they had a chance to really upgrade their team and get Larry Nance Jr. who would be a cure for a lot of what ails them. Nick, like, no, they, they take a lottery protected first round pick from Portland instead of Larry Nance Jr. Like what a catastrophe <laughs> that trade was for them. Like, you, you spend the entire offseason in win-now mode, and then you pass up a guy who's really going to help you for a protected first-round pick, and Derek Jones just doesn't make a lot of sense. Either. And then mm-hmm. um, Caruso as well is a guy who I really like. He was on my second-team defense last year. But the whole thing about Caruso is, like, he's a great steal guy. Like, Lonzo, more of a team defender than a guy who's really going to lock someone down one-on-one. Like, he's, he's not really going to lock down the best guards in the NBA, like Dame Lillard, like – he still tread marks on Caruso's back from the series they played against Portland back in the bubble. And Oh yeah. Was hurt from it. It was terrible. Yeah. So Caruso, um, he's not really a one-on-one defender, more of a team defender, but really what made Caruso so great um, as a Laker was um, his tendency to like gamble and get steals, which would help the Lakers who are one of the best fast break teams in the league, get out in transition. And the bulls really have none of that. And in fact, some of Caruso's best qualities are going to be counterproductive in um, Chicago because when you gamble for steals and you miss, which that does happen sometimes, like in LA, that's okay because you've got JaVel McKee and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, like really like not JaVel McKee, but AD and LeBron are two of the best help defenders in the game. And then JaVel is a good rim protector. So if you gamble, you've got a line of defense behind you. When Caruso gambles in Chicago and if he doesn't get the steal, like it's going to be a clear path to Nick Vucevic and it's just going to be. So the things that made Alex Caruso a great defender and as a Laker are going to make him almost a liability to the bulls. And he, he's a, he's a smart, he's a smart player. Like he's going to figure it out. I'm not saying he's going to be bad as a bull. I just don't think he's going to have the opportunity to be as disruptive as he was as a Laker. And that's really taking away his best quality. So I don't think he makes a lot of sense. Ditto for Derek Jones, Jr. Um, Derek Jones is he's just not a very good player like he's athletic but I mean he's not strong enough he's not strong enough to guard wings and he's not he can't shoot well enough to play as a guard so there's there's really just no place for him Uh, I'm not a Derek Jones Jr. fan whatsoever this team's the I mean and what's the worst part about this is like this team should be building for the future but they traded away three first round picks to like win now and um like presumably like Levine's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. So maybe they thought, Oh, if we don't, if we don't win a ton of games this year, um, Levine, he's going to leave us in free agency. So we've got to trade all these picks to build a competitive roster around him. But Levine's not the kind of guy you put in that much effort for. Like you might, you might trade all your first round picks like the Bucks did to keep a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo or keep a guy like even like a Dame Lillard, you might go all in to keep a guy like that. Not Zach Levine. Zach Levine's not the caliber of player who you mortgage your entire future to keep having and at the end of all of this like they're still probably going to miss the playoffs so he might just leave anyway and then and then they're really (laughs) screwed so just this is probably one of the worst off seasons that any team has had in quite some time just an 
it's really too bad. Um, yeah, I'm going 36 wins for him, but it's a bummer because, like, I the Bulls great franchise. Like Chicago is a great city. You want them to have a good team, but this is this is not going to be it for them. No, not at all. It is funny though. What do you got, Kellen? I had him at um. Where are they? I think it was yeah, twenty six. Wow! I think that, that, <laughs> that even after all the stuff I said, I think I think that's a little bit too. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Wow! Man. Sorry, Chicago fans. That that is not very <laughs> legal. All right. Um. So we're down to our last five teams. So the five teams that um probably will be lucky to make the playing game. I guess let's start up here with Charlotte because they did make the plan last year and they're returning LaMelo Ball who presumably will be even better in his sophomore year. They brought in one Kelly Oubre, uh, Mason Plumley as well. Um, James Bucknight, they took him with the 11th pick. He did not impress in summer league. Uh, Chan, why don't you lead us off with Charlotte? Uh, I love LaMelo Ball. Um, yeah. Just such so much energy from him, and like we saw, like with that whole team last year, just all the crazy dunks and the fun announcers and everything. Um, I think a lot of that is just Lamelo Ball brings a lot of that energy, um, and I do think he's going to take another step forwards this year. He had, a, I thought he was fantastic last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll be even better. Uh, yeah, I think you, you texted me when the Ubre trade happened. We that that's a good fit. Um, I think Uber makes sense there. Um, I, I don't know how much better. I think I don't really feel like they'll be better than last year necessarily, maybe a little bit, but not considerably. Um, how many wins did the game games did they win last year? Do you remember? I think it was 31. Let me, let me check. Last 30 year, 33. Okay. 33 and okay. 31. But that was the, that was a shortened season. So in an eighty two right. season, that's kind of on track to like thirty six or thirty seven wins. Okay, yeah. So actually, I think I probably agree with Vegas. I'll give him. I'll give him. No, I won't. I'll go. Um, no, I won't. I'll go thirty seven. Thirty seven. I think that's reasonable. I had them at that exact same thing. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Right. Full five. I think the Charlotte Hornets might be um, this year's sort of spiritual successor to last year's Toronto Raptors, where um, I think Charlotte surprised quite a few people, myself included, with just the competency they had on defense last season. And I think part of that was Borrego, James Borrego, who, uh, good for him, he got extended this offseason, I think well-deserved. He had a lot of interesting um, sort of schemes and systems he went to, especially with like the small ball units with PJ Washington at center and that sort of thing. But the reason I say they might be this year's Raptors is because I think with the Raptors um, after the bubble and leading in that, in the off season, the 2020 off season between the bubble and last season, I think we just kind of overlooked like what consistency at center means for a team. And the Raptors had traditionally been one of the best defenses in the NBA but then both Gasol and Ibaka leave and they replace him 
with Aaron Baines, Chris Boucher, and at um, the trade deadline, Kim Birch, and their defense just fell off a cliff and nobody was anticipating that to be the case. But I think we just kind of took for granted having that presence in the middle. And I think that might be the case for the Hornets this year as well, losing both Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo, who are both unexciting, but very capable defensive centers. And then replacing that with Mason Plumlee. Um, they also drafted Kai Jones and, they have second-year players, Nick Richards and Vernon Carey Jr. I just think it's going to be tough for them to sustain the defensive success from last year. I think offensively, is it's going to be a bit of a challenge too because you lose the spacing Devontae Graham provided, but then replace that with Ish Smith and Kelly Oubre, both of whom are complete non-shooters. I do think Oubre is going to juice up the transition, like having him, LaMelo, Miles Bridges running the fast break. like That's going to be very exciting. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think the spacing on offense is going to be pretty poor. And um, like Lamelo's great in transition, but his um, half-court offense is really going to be put to the test this year because um, Graham really took more of that responsibility last season and Hayward when he was healthy too. So if Hayward stays healthy all year, then it's a bit of a different thing. But I don't think really any of us are anticipating that. I think the Hornets might take a step back this season. I'm going to pick them to win. 32 games. I think the defense is going to take a big step back and I just um, am not a fan of their personnel for offense. So I don't really think the Hornets are going to factor into the Eastern conference playoff picture that much. And I, I mean, that's okay. They, they're still kind of building for the future. They've got a lot of young talent. I think Lamelo is going to have an awesome season and continue to like show improvements, but I'm just not a big fan of the roster they built. I wish they would have gone after a player like Rashawn Holmes or, like a more exciting long-term fit at the center position, but they didn't really do that. Maybe Kai Jones becomes that in the future, but uh, he's a little bit small, but I mean, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Rashawn Holmes would have been awesome there. That would have been really cool. Yeah, for sure. He got signed for great value too. Like they could have easily afforded yeah. it. That seems like a bit of a mistake, but oh well. I had him as my seventh down to. You had the Hornets as your seventh seed? Yep. Wow, interesting. That would be exciting. I'd love to see LaMelo in the playoffs. That would be a thrill to watch. And I I always I have a thing for seeing young point guards in the playoffs. I think that's always kind of an exciting thing. I think it's because the first playoffs I vividly remember are the 2009 playoffs where it was like Derek Rose rookie year going up against the Celtics, and that was just so exciting. So ever since then, I think I've just – enjoyed seeing those young point guards get put to the test but yeah seeing Lamelo as the seven seed I guess he'd be going up against the Milwaukee Bucks um according to our predictions that that would be good stuff so I would not be mad if that happened at all so we're down to our last four teams I think one of these teams clearly stands out as better than the rest of them and that is the Washington Wizards Yeah, what did I have for the Washington? I had Washington at... Oh, shoot. Do we need to finish up, Channing? Um, nah, I think we can keep going. Okay, maybe a bit of a light. I'm at 21. <laughs> 21. Okay, that is... Br- that's brutally low. Uh, I, I, think I, like the, I think the Wizards... I mean, getting rid of Russell Westbrook, obviously, um, that's a huge win for them. Um, and replacing with Spencer Dinwiddie, of all people like that, is amazing. Um, 
I oh, that's right. That's who. I, okay. I think the defense is going to plummet. Like Robin Lopez was carrying them on his back on that end and to get rid of Lopez and then replace him with the Thomas Bryant who's going to be healthy all year. Like that's not going to be good. Um, I think the offense is a little bit light on shooting and uh, the two shooters they do have Dalvas Bertans and Corey Kisper both figure to be complete liabilities on defense. I mean, Contavious Caldwell Pope, I shouldn't be giving short shrift to him at all. Like um, Caldwell Pope is going to be good for them. Uh, Beal and Dinwiddie are a bit duplicative in my opinion, just in terms of their both yeah. inclined to get to the basket. And um, as our Avdi and Hachimura just, and, and Kuz, it's a log jam in the front court between Kispert, Hachimura, Bertans, Avdia, um, Kyle Kuzma, presumably all guys who are going to command playing time. Uh, Montrez Harrell, like this is a very deep team. Like they've, they've got depth at every position, just not a lot of guys who fit well together. Not a lot of players who um, are playing, um, like played both offense and defense. Like Contavious Gold, yeah. really the only two-way guy I feel great about. So I still think this line is a little low. Um, I'm because I feel like I'm I feel like I'm a Wizards pessimist, and I still have them going over this over under. My theory is that Vegas is taking into account the strong possibility that they do trade Bradley Beal at some point during the season, and that's why this number is maybe a little bit low, but lower than the talent would dictate. But I, I'm the Wizards are one of these teams where I'm fascinated to watch a few of their games once the season starts because I really am not sure what to make of it. Just so many players who are such weird fits together, and all of them have like upside, but also a bunch of limitations. So it's going to be very and a first year head coach too, and um, West Unsell Junior. So it'll be curious to see what he does with this roster. I'm going to go thirty. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, um, three teams to go. Let's go with um, Cade Cunningham, number one overall pick, the Detroit Pistons. Mm. I had the Detroit Pistons at 25. Wow, that, that's a good pick. That's that's the um, exact number I had. So Yeah, uh, I like that number too. Put me down for 25 also. All right, wow. We're all in agreement. And um, – this the Pistons were one of the hardest teams for me to pick because I think Cade Cunningham is actually going to be very solid his rookie year, and combining him with Kelly Olynyk, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, like there's some good offensive talent there. I think I think there are moments when this offense is going to look very good. I think I think the Cade Cunningham Kelly Olynyk like pick and roll pick and fade is going to be like shockingly effective. Like I think that's going to be one of the best plays um, maybe in the NBA. Like. Both those players seem like they're great fits together. And then Jeremy Grant, um, it'll be, I'll be interested to see what he does. He kind of fell off towards the end of last year, but I think now he'll probably go back to being the second option, which fits him more. Where I really get concerned is I think the fastest team to, they're the fastest way to just kind of run your season off the tracks is to just give a lot of responsibility to immature ball handlers. And so between Killian Hayes, Saban Lee and Cade Cunningham, almost all the minutes at like point guard or lead initiate or whatever you want to call it are going to be taken by guys with very little NBA experience and Killian Hayes, especially just really sucks right now. And so <laughs> I, I think there are moments when the offense is going to look pretty bad. Um, I think the defense is going to be pretty bad too. I like Isaiah Stewart, but he's not really that every down room protector. And then behind him, they really only have Kelly Olenek. They um, cut 
um, DeAndre, or they waived DeAndre Jordan, rather. They traded away Jalil for just really shallow at that position, and neither Stewart or Olenek are proven rim protectors. So I could see this team winning, like, I don't know, 32, 33 games if Kate is just has a Luka Doncic-esque rookie season. I think that's well within the range of what they could do, 32, 33 wins. But, I mean, also just so much unproven, so many unproven players who are going to be playing very roles on this team. I can't Facts. get to about it. Um, two more teams left to go. Um, do you guys want to do the Cavs or the Magic first? Um, Cavs. Oh, yeah, I guess we're already here. Cavs was an interesting one too because uh, – I I like parts of their team. I like how they have like 48 minutes of competent point guard play. I think Ricky Rubio is going to be pretty solid for him. And Darius Garland really came on towards the end of last year. So I'm curious to see what Garland can do heading into this year. And um, I like Jared Allen too. I don't think he was worthy of the five-year, $100 million contract he got. But Damn! Yeah, that's a lot of money for him. I like because I mean, I would have given I, I like Holmes more than Allen, but Allen got paid way more. But I, I still think Allen is a very solid starting center. And the combination of Allen and Mobley, I think they'll be pretty bad offensively, but defensively, like it's, in theory, it's going to be pretty hard to score on them at the rim. And they do yeah. have two absolute liabilities in Sexton and Garland in the backcourt defensively. But, I mean, they also have a Coro who they can put on the most threatening um, opponent guard. So, and most teams other than, like, the Nets and Trailblazers don't have too many options than Suns and I'm sure other teams I'm forgetting. But a majority of NBA teams don't have multiple options they can really hurt you with too bad in the backcourt. So, I think the Cavs should be fine defensively most nights. Um, I just think the offense is going to be a bit of a struggle. There's, they don't have anything on the wings like Chetty Osman, Tillman uh, Windler, just no real good players at either of the forward positions. So that's a big hole. No. So, and at the end of the day, I'm going to go 25 wins for him. I think having competent point guard playing solid rim protection gets you a long ways during the regular season, but just overall lack of talent, I think is going to prevent. Yeah. Them crazy no a very bad shooting team too i think shooting's a big weakness they tried to address that with marketing but that was completely misguided like marketing fits with nothing else they have going on so that that wasn't a good one Uh, i'm gonna go 24 for the Cavs. yeah good pick callan 20 20 okay i mean that's reasonable i think that's Mm. lower than what i would have gone all right last team is the orlando magic who do are we all in agreement that the magic might be the worst team in the east this year yeah yes i have them at 22 wins i think they're gonna be intriguing defensively especially in the games jonathan isaac plays which really who knows how many games that's gonna be who knows I don't even think he's going to be healthy to start the season, apparently. And then, I mean, you imagine he might get injured again at some point. But when Isaac's healthy, they have a great center rotation between Wendell Carter and Robin Lopez. Like, not great, but, I mean, um, comparatively to how bad the team is, like, they actually have pretty solid centers. And <laughs> maybe Mo Bamba finally takes that step forward. Definitely not counting on that. But, uh, Michael, uh, I think the backcourt is really just where it falls apart. I like Jalen Suggs, but... I mean, there are very few rookie point guards who can lead a team to any sort of success on offense. Like, really, the only ones over the past few years have been John Morant and Luka Doncic. That even Trey Young sucked as a rookie. So, uh, I'm really yeah. expecting them to have a terrible offense because um, it's going to be Suggs and 
Cole Anthony. I mean, there might be some Markel Fultz, just a lot of things to figure out there. And very shallow at the wing position. I like Chuma Okiki, but um, he really isn't um, like a, he's not starter level yet. Um, he's definitely had flashes. No. Helen probably remembers him from the Warriors game last year. He really hit some clutch shots there. Um, you did. Uh, they also drafted Franz Wagner with the eighth overall pick. I'm not really a big Franz Wagner fan, so I don't, I don't think he'll give him much, especially this year on the wing. But yeah, I think having, I think they're going to have probably a defense that approaches average. I mean, they have a new coach too. They have um, Jamal Mosley, who was an assistant on the Mavs. If they still had Steve Clifford, who was a great defensive coach, if he was still there, I, I would pick them to have at least an average defense. But now I am more unsure. I think they have the talent to approach average. But um, And I also think they're just headed in a different direction. I don't think they're going to be pressing too hard to win a lot of games. They're really more focused on future development um, through the draft. So I, I think the Magic are going to be pretty clearly the worst team in the East. So 22 wins. I'm going 18. 18. Yeah, I had him at 18. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, I just don't. Can, I don't even know how they're going to get anything together at all. Yeah, the offense is going to be a struggle for them. They're going to yeah. they're going to be one of the least fun teams to watch in the NBA this season. So, I guess Magic fans have that to look forward to, and wow. our listeners <laughs> have the Western Conference preview to look forward to. So, that might be. Well, that's going to be an absolute banger. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I know Channon um, might not be able to make him onto quite as pods this season but i'm sure he'll be around for the western conference yeah let me know yeah when you're trying to do that it's gonna be safe absolutely okay all right good job jonah and i'm yeah, I'm actually, good work i'm happy that i it wasn't yeah, I'll, far I'll, off my opinion yeah, i'll send you i'll send you the standings that we came up with so um oh. if you want to make a list or something perfect i will i'm trying to see him yeah Maybe I'll make an all this year. Maybe we'll add a new one, which is like an aggregate where I take the average of all three of our predictions and we can come up with like the official all gear, no game, like collaborative. Yeah, series. you should. Yeah, do that. Okay. I'm going to bring down some of the people, your guys's rankings though. Cause I think <laughs> for, for the Knicks, you had them at what something. And I had them 36. So that's going to bring Tell it this was true for you last year. You are, you did like the most bipolar predictions, like all, all of the teams you have in the block, you give them like 60 wins and then all the teams you have missing. <laughs> like, you never pick a team to go like 500 at all. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's okay. But all right. Yeah, it's okay. All right. See you guys. Later. Bye.